So we've been making comments for five years now. That's over 100 episodes and counting. And our plan? Well, it's to keep making more seasons, even more episodes. And when I say we, I don't just mean the Commons team. I'm including you, our listeners and supporters. We can't make this show without you. We can't keep bringing you exceptional reporting every week without your support. We want to make it as easy as possible for you to become a Canadaland supporter. So from now until the end of May, we have a special deal for our listeners. Sign up now for just $2 a month for the next six months. You'll get access to all the episodes of Commons one week early and ad-free, as well as exclusive bonus content from all of our shows. There's discounts on merch, tickets to our live events, and so much more. This is a limited-time offer, and it's a pretty great deal that helps support our journalism. Just go to canadaland.com join or click the link in your show notes to become a supporter today. This episode of Canada Land Commons is brought to you by Halifax-based performer and songwriter Ben Kaplan. Ben's got a new album out called Birds with Broken Wings. And backed by his band, The Casual Smokers, Ben Kaplan is on tour right now playing shows across Canada and the U.S. I asked Ben how he would describe his music to those who have never heard it before. I think that each of my songs tends to have at least a moment of some sort of solo, of some sort of improvisational flourish. And I think that a lot of that comes from listening to jam bands and listening to jazz growing up. I don't know, we could call it uh, eclectic soul folk. This week, Ben Kaplan is touring across BC. You can find all of his tour dates at bencaplan.ca slash tour and find the new album on iTunes or wherever you like to buy music. downtown Toronto. This is a special election night episode of Canada Land Commons! We are so very excited to be here with you this evening. We've got some special guests on the line with us. We've got a packed house here at the Monarch Tavern. We have, so far, as the results have come in, the news of at least a liberal minority government, if not a majority, meaning the reign of Stephen Harper is over. <laughs> over the next few minutes, we are going to have guests from across the country to join us to tell us what their feelings are about what we've just been seeing. And of course, you know the wonderful people who are on the stage with me. I'm Desmond Cole. I'm Andre Demise. I'm Sabrina Devetti. And this is Canada Land. All right. Wow. Well, was it a good night? Was it a good night or was it a good night? It's definitely a good crowd, that's for sure. Great crowd. Fantastic crowd here at the Monarch. And y'all are so beautiful. Good God. So, So the news that we have so far is that we don't know what the exact result is going to be this evening, but we know at this very time that I'm speaking to you that... It takes 170 seats to form a majority government in the new arranged parliament that we have, 338 seats. At this very time that I'm speaking with you, the Conservatives uh, have been knocked down to second place. They are only leading in, or elected in 98 seats. 
The Liberal Party of Canada is leading or elected in 183 seats at the moment. If this holds, we will have a Liberal majority government. And unfortunately, the NDP, it looks like they are leading or elected in around 30 seats. So, yeah. Also, nine seats for the Bloc Québécois. We have yet to see any results indicating a green seat. We're very interested in that also. Elizabeth May will win her seat, though. Uh, it looks like Thomas Mulcair is not sure of winning his seat back either. But just Which... to say, those who are from Quebec were calling this from the get-go. So Thomas Mulcair was always in, in danger of losing his seat. Rachel Bendayan was a very, you, you know admirable candidate um, and I think for people who follow Quebec politics they were they were worried and I think the NDP camp were putting out false you, you know uh, we can do it we can do it we're all good and right. they were putting false security out there well we know in the last week of the campaign sorry Andre we know in the last week of the campaign that uh, Justin Trudeau actually did a campaign stop in Tom Mulcair's riding suggesting that that seat was up for play. And I think a lot of people would have thought, no matter how much trouble the NDP might be in, there's no way they're going to take that seat. We have yet to see if Tom Mulcair, leader of the NDP, is going to hold his seat. And if he doesn't, who knows what that means for his future as leader of the party, Andre? It should also be noted that uh, Mulcair won that seat in a by-election, so his uh, hold on that seat was never actually sure. And I'm also going to throw out there, I hate to break it to you guys, but... Coming back from official opposition to third-party status, Mulcair's future was never sure. Mulcair yeah. and Harper both were, if they were going to win this election, we're going to end up having to step down. And we're talking about two leadership races here. I'm just going to call it right now. I'm pretty sure we're going to hear Harper's resignation speech tonight. <laughs> right behind us, the CBC is now projecting a liberal majority government. There you go, everybody. CBC projects a liberal majority government. If uh, some of the, uh, the races hold up correctly, I'm pretty sure when I say this, but I think we might actually see our first MP of Somali descent. That would be Ahmed Hussein in Yorktown, Boston. There are a lot of storylines to follow not just this evening, but in many days to come. Right now, we want to bring in somebody who somehow has never made it onto an episode of Canada Land Commons, even though he's kind of the reason that we're even in this bar tonight. <laughs> we like to give him a lot of heck, but we do appreciate the work and the leadership of one Jesse Brown. Come up to the mic, my friend. Wait, share my mic. Let's do it. Let's do it. Jesse, what are your impressions right now as you watch a Liberal Party? I heard that this is the first time in almost 100 years the party has gone from third place to first to take over the lead for Prime Minister. So what do you think about these results? I'm going to leave the, the political analysis to you guys. I'm just thinking about the crazy divide between what we have been told by our media, by the newspapers, <laughs> The endorsements, right the, the, the newspapers that supposedly represent us. Hold on, newspapers are even relevant? If, Andre. Shh, I get published in them. Shh. <laughs> if, there, if, they, if there was a question about that yesterday, I think it's been answered tonight. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, I think that it's going to be hard 
for the Canadian media to overcome what has been revealed between the difference between what motivates them and what the public wants and what the public feels represents them. Quick question. Those well, I just want to clarify, though, but you're talking about the post-media endorsements and the Globe endorsements no, right just, now? So is Andrew Coyne going to become an editor at Canada Land? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Jane, Jane Litvinenko, the editor at Canada Land, has some issues with that. But uh, uh, I'm Team Jane, for the record. Hey, yo. Yeah, I think we're gonna stay put. Uh, and and I think that Andrew Coyne has a, uh, he had a B pick, a C pick, a D pick, and an E pick. But uh. <laughs> let me let me ask you one more question, uh, Jesse, before we move along here, and that is. This is, this is maybe the theme of the night for me personally. I don't know if what we're seeing right now is a vote for people who desperately wanted change in this country, or if this is an endorsement of a wonderful campaign and leadership style of Justin Trudeau, and I wonder what you think about what we're seeing tonight. Listen, I, again, there are better opinions on this than mine, but I'll say this. I think more of the guy now than I did at the beginning of this campaign I think that it was a well-run campaign and a positive campaign. I think that this is absolutely a vote for change. We always knew that most Canadians did not want Stephen Harper to be Prime Minister. We always knew that. And maybe now we got some new problems to look at. Maybe we got to think about C-51 and some other things. What I'm focused on, besides looking at these endorsements, which is just really the tip of the iceberg, it just tells you a little bit about what's happening. I'm curious about Every story the media was not able to report, I'm curious about what's going to come out of the woodwork, everything that was suppressed, everything that happened through self-censorship. I think we've only begun to know what happened during these years. And uh, I, I hope that all comes out. Jesse Brown, everybody, thank you so much. According to the projections on the screen behind me, Liberal Party, 180 seats leading or elected. Conservative Party of Canada, 101 seats leading or elected. The uh, NDP, New Democratic Party, 32 seats leading or elected. Bloc Québécois, 10 seats leading or elected. Uh, there is one green seat up on the board. I can't confirm if that's Elizabeth May or if it's somebody else. Sapria, let me bring you in on this here, though. Yeah, all right. Because, you know, we are seeing this huge, huge sweep, this demand for change. What do you think that this is? Is this the campaign that the Liberals ran? Is it the demand for change and people deciding that this was the party that could bring it? What's going on tonight? So I don't think the two are mutually exclusive. And I think when we're talking about change, you know, there was that very strong ABC vote, anybody but conservative, and initially we saw that parked behind Tom Mulcair and the NDP. However, when you run a lackluster campaign, when you have very mediocre debate performances, and when you're not letting somebody perform to the way they do in the House of Commons, like the, they, they kept Tom Mulcair on a very short leash in, in a very weird way, to be honest, and they didn't let him reach his full potential, I guess, is a corny way to say it. And, and I think that, that for Justin Trudeau, he really did embody a positive campaign. He really did embody some, some for, for people of our age demographic, at least for the most part, change and hope and hopey changey. Not to quote Sarah Palin here, but he did bring it. Andre. And, yeah. Andre, let me get you in here because I want to ask you, 
what we're seeing tonight in Toronto particularly, it's one thing for the Conservatives to take away or to lose big seats, people like the... Uh, Immigration and Citizenship Minister Chris Alexander, Julian Fantino yeah, is losing right now. For that, please. So now that's that's one thing, but we're also seeing in downtown Toronto, Olivia Chow, Andrew Cash, some big names from the NDP are losing and look like they will lose tonight. So, so Olivia what does Chow this... never had a chance. So come on. Well, oh whoa. whoa. What what does this say, what does this say to you, Andre? Okay, so um, just. Show of hands here. Listeners can't see this, but I just want to see a show of hands or maybe make some noise. Um, everybody who is like all for Thomas Mulcair in this crowd. You just okay. represented yeah, one so that's voting all of them block. right here. Yeah, Every but that's but that's the exact same voting demographic. Yeah. I hate to break it to you. As somebody who works in mobilization and is a political consultant, yeah. that's one segment of the population. That's it. That's what I mean. I think that we've got a little bit of like downtown Toronto distortion here. And that's no, it's true. What, one thing that I noticed in this campaign was that Thomas Mulcair did the, made the same mistake that Andrea Horvath made, made the same mistake that Olivia Chow made sure. in her campaign for, uh, for mayor of Toronto, which was sort of tacking rightward and adopting this sort of like capitalist, sort of colonial imperialist view that we got to like... centrist. Just say centrist. Well, no, no. But the thing is, I don't yeah. think there's such a thing as a centrist. I think what it is is somebody who's just afraid to take a, a stance one way or the other. Sure. So when you talk about like tax cuts and families and oil pipelines and all that stuff, you're not representing actual progressive but values. But y'all are also forgetting that like Thomas Mulcair was a center-right cabinet minister in the Charest government. So for Quebecers where his base is, people never really knew what he was about. And, and, and after that first debate, Google Canada released their search results. There was a spike in who is Thomas Mulcair. Yeah. Legit. So people really didn't know where he was from. And if your base doesn't know what you're about, that's a problem. We're definitely seeing something here where the more that it seems that people got to know about Mulcair, the less that they were interested in supporting him. Tom Mulcair was in the lead the entire spring and summer, and we got to fall, and suddenly the NDP started dipping really significantly. So we want to get back to some of this stuff, but right now... We have a very special guest joining us on the line. And I, I need you guys to hold it down for us because she's going to have to talk over the line and she needs to be able to hear. It's Jen Gerson of the National Post. Jen is actually at the headquarters of the Conservative Party in Calgary. So we, so we really want to hear from... Jen, are you on the line? Jen! I am so on the line! Jen, you have uh, two and a half to three minutes to tell us where you are, what you're seeing, what you're hearing. And what you're smelling. Let's and what you're smelling, there. especially. The, the, the I'm assuming a lot of booze right now. The smell the, the, of failure. <laughs> no, um, I, I am in the conservative headquarters in the Telus Convention Center. Uh, it is, uh, uh, I would say, a fairly quiet, sedate crowd. Um, I think people here came in thinking that, that like, they knew they were going to lose. But, uh, uh, Can I you taste their tears in the air right now? Pardon me? What? Can you taste their tears in the air? Uh, no, I, I, I think that this generally says that, that, that nobody really expected the Liberals to, to uh, get this strong of a majority. And I think Forum the did, Jen. for this is that, wow, this is, an, uh, this is a hell of a collapse for the NDP. Just a shocking collapse for the NDP. I mean, the Conservatives are probably going to be looking at about 100, 115 seats. That's a pretty respectable position. That's a pretty respectable position to be in opposition for. So, I mean, all is not lost for them. But uh, I would be pretty surprised if, if Stephen Harper didn't, uh, didn't uh, resign tonight. So that's kind of what I'm expecting to see in the next 
And Jen, before we let you go, Jen, what about the NDP falling from their historic position as official opposition to now third place, it seems? It's a, it's a total collapse. I mean, that, the, the, the NDP's collapse here is actually far more dramatic than the, than the Conservatives' collapse. The Conservatives are just going from government to um, opposition. Uh, to, to rebuild from that position uh, is actually not uh, a, a particularly onerous task. But for the NDP to come so close to being, I mean, really contenders for government, to all of a sudden going back to their traditional role as a third-place party, um, to see the mantle of progressivism be taken up so dramatically by Justin Trudeau, I, I mean, that is, a, that is a far more crushing defeat than the, for, for the NDP. Jen Gerson on the line with us at Conservative Headquarters. Thank you very much for giving us your perspective tonight. Thank you. Cheers. You know, everybody, we, we often wonder about how accurate the polls are. When you watch those polls leading up to Election Day, and a lot of people kind of buy into the polls telling us this is what the result is going to be, I'll tell you something right now. As of Sunday, yesterday, the uh, poll tracker that CBC had that was kind of monitoring all the polls and kind of smushing them all together and giving you a composite result, they predicted 137 liberal seats and 122 conservative seats. They weren't actually that far off on the conservative total from what we're seeing right now, but the liberals are far outpacing themselves. And as Jen alluded to, the NDP were projected to have 73 seats. Now, we are not that good in our polling still at projecting the number of seats versus the popular vote. But even in the popular vote, the Liberals are way ahead of where the polls said that they would be at this point. Except for a couple, though. There are a few outliers towards the end, Forum and Main Street, that actually had Liberals projected a, a, as a majority. And I think often people tend to discount Forum, but every now and again they're right. And when they're right, they're right. Actually, one thing I do want to bring attention to is that Main Street, uh, Main Street is a fairly new uh, polling organization, but as far as I've been able to tell, uh, not just with uh, the federal election, but also with the municipal, uh, the municipal election yeah. in Toronto and uh, several other issues, Main Street has been pretty much on point uh, for their predictions. So, I mean, big shout out to uh, Kito Maggi, who, uh, who runs Main Street Technologies. So, you know, the Conservatives tried to make this election about one thing. The Conservatives, to their credit, they picked the right opponent. They focused from the beginning on one Justin Trudeau and decided that he was their main target. They didn't talk all that much specifically about Tom Mulcair. Did they even mention Mulcair in the ads? I don't think they did. Very rarely. Not, I don't think they ever mentioned him alone without mentioning Trudeau. Okay. So they picked from the beginning that this was the man that they wanted to go after. And they were correct, but they were not able to stop him. Suprio, does this mean that Canadians feel Justin Trudeau really is ready? <laughs> I mean, I guess... I, I guess so, but when you, when you set the bar so low, okay, so the very first debate, Corey Tanike, who's the, who's the conservative spokesperson, said as long as Justin Trudeau showed up with his pants on, he would win the debate. So after, you know, five <laughs> I debates... I like a few people in this audience wanted him to show up with his pants off. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Hey. Yeah. 
But, you know, like, so once you set the bar so low and somebody, you know, ex- exceeds your expectations, all of a sudden you're like, okay, what were these attack ads even doing? Like, he, he's clearly competent. He's not some moronic guy um, who has experience. He's been elected as a parliamentarian since 2008, I believe. Uh, so maybe let's give this guy a chance. And I don't think anybody should undermine, actually, the kind of campaign that the liberals ran. We, the three of us may be very cynical and may look at that and go, ugh. But I think at the end of the day, it was a relatively positive campaign for the most part, and they really did draw a, a, a stark contrast between the conservatives and even the NDP. Andre, do you agree with that? Okay, I guess the one thing that uh, we, we didn't really address is like how much change is actually going to happen under a liberal majority. So, okay. So granted, granted, granted. So I mean, I know that you guys have heard me like or read me um, slag the liberals over the last few weeks uh, over some things that I, they supported that I really, really do not support myself. They supported the Zero Tolerance for Barbaric Cultural Practices Act. We had an entire episode dedicated to that where we were both slamming them. We did, yeah. yeah, we had uh, some serious problems with that. Um, the, uh, the liberals also did support Bill C-51, which you all do know about. And uh, as the conservatives expanded um, their, uh, their, the uh, Canadian prison system, um, which swept up a lot of people who uh, were or wanted to become immigrants to this country, mm-hmm. ended up becoming, quote-unquote, illegal immigrants, uh, a lot of people who got swept up for drug crimes, and, and it's now to the point where indigenous Canadians and African Canadians are leading uh, the actual prison population far out of, out of proportion uh, to their actual numbers in Canada. So I haven't... Shame. Yeah. One thing I really haven't heard from any liberal is what exactly they plan to do about that. Are we going to roll back some of these acts? Are we possibly going to repeal any of them? And I haven't really heard much talk about that. I think we're too busy talking about niqabs. Well, no, yeah, no, I agree. I, I'm gonna, I think that's the problem. We, we've got another guest on the line from the left coast. Hello? So listen, everybody. You may remember a young woman who, at the time of running for mayor of the city of Toronto, was 18 years old last year. She's now in university. <laughs> Joining us from Vancouver on the line is Ms. Morgan. Hey, huh? Oh, from Squamish. I thought it was Vancouver. From Squamish, British Columbia. Beautiful Squamish. It's Morgan Baskin, everybody. Morgan, hello. <laughs> hello. Morgan, tell us what's going on on that oh side. God. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> well, I, I'm a, I have to admit off the bat that I'm a touch sad that we went for a liberal majority instead of a minority, but that's a little bit in the details and the nitty gritty. Um, but most of all, I was, I'm so excited to have seen the numbers of young people that voted in the advanced polls. And like from my own anecdotal evidence, it was, there was a lineup out the door when I voted in Swamish. And there were students up the wazoo to the point it was commented on by every single person I talked to when I voted as how many students were voting in our writing and how many students they had heard were voting in other writings. And that's the part of this election that I'm so excited about. For the first time in a long time and for the first time since I've been paying attention to politics, it seems like young people are actually voting and feeling engaged by the system and excited about voting. And I got to watch so many young people vote for the first time today and so many young people be so excited about voting for the first time, which was amazing. 
Morgan, Sabria here. We were just discussing earlier before you came on the line about how much of a change the Liberal government actually represents. What are your feelings on that? Do you think this is a, a change sham or do you think that we're actually heading towards the right direction? I think that change is always good, but I, I'm one of the, I'm a wait and see kind of person. You know, I said it when John Tory was elected in trial and I'll say it now, you know, we can, we can say what we'd like about the policy that they promised during the election, but until it's real, until it's been enacted, it's, it's not actually something that, you know, that I will believe in, honestly. Um, we have a long way to go between election night and actual policy changes, and in terms of election reform and C-51 and the Fair Elections Act, we have a long way to go, and until there are real votes on that, it's not real. Morgan, it's Andre here. Uh, what do you think about this whole idea that young people do not turn out for elections and young people are apathetic about politics? What do you got to say about that? I think it's bullshit. I, you know, young people care a lot, and voting is one of hundreds of ways you can show up for elections and hundreds of ways you can engage in politics. And you know what, I've seen a lot of young people showing up for this election and caring a lot about this election, and I'm reveling in the joy of being able to watch that. And I also think that it's on the system, and especially, you know, I've heard Justin Trudeau say that it's not a problem with young people, it's a problem with politics. And I hope that with a government with that attitude, that we can continue to actually change the system to engage young people, as opposed to expecting young people to change in order to be recognized by a system that is purposely disengaging them. Well, Morgan, uh, we really, really appreciate you giving us a couple of uh, minutes of your time this evening. And we look forward to talking to you again in the future. Morgan Baskin from Squamish, BC, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Have a good night. Good night. Good thank night. You. So, uh, what I wanted to say before was I, re I really think that, you know, this was a vote for change no matter what way you cut it. And one thing about the fact that we see an NDP going from second place in the official opposition to third today was, I heard a lot of the following from Tom Mulcair during the campaign trail. I heard a lot of, you know, for 148 years, at which point I already started having my eyes glaze over, but <laughs> I wasn't around 148 years ago, guys. But he would say, you know, for 148 years, we've had a choice between liberal corruption and conservative corruption, and finally, we have a different choice. And it's like, oh, what is that, Tom? <laughs> Would you like to tell us? And I, and I really feel like where the NDP failed to show up for me in this election was that they thought that when they were ahead, all they had to do was cast their opponents as villains and they say, all you need to do is not select either of these two, but they didn't really make the case for themselves. Which is, which is exactly what, if you recall, what Olivia Chow did during the mayoral yes, campaign. That's correct. So the NDP are now notorious for this. They've done it at the, at the municipal, the provincial, and now the federal level, where they run front-runner-like campaigns. So you're ahead in the polls, you get a little bit overly cocky, you don't necessarily consider who your actual base is that you want to be appealing to, and you try to swing center, 
to appeal to everyone, but you can't be everything to everybody. You need to, you need to get your base riled, and the conservatives actually know this quite well. So we can mock the niqab or whatever else all we want. Going to rob Ford's or going this to rob, Exactly. But you know what? It gets their base out to vote. The NDP does not know how to do this. And again, when your base is in Quebec, okay, and you realize that you have one fluke election in 2011, which was based on a charismatic leader, you don't have much of, of a foothold in terms of the ground game there. You can't take that for granted. And they did that time and time again. And I think this has just come to bite them in the ass. Uh, one huge problem that I had with um, Mulcair in this election, you guys, did anybody watch the actual debates? Did, were people, did people tune in? Okay. Again, I think that might be just everyone in the room, they're all here, people who tuned in for the debates. One thing that um, Mulcair did that really disappointed me was could anybody just imagine Jack Layton saying, oh, well, if Stephen Harper doesn't show up for the debate on women's issues, I'm not going to show up either. I, so I think one thing that Mulcair did that really turned his base off is sort of take Stephen Harper and Justin Trudeau's lead on, oh, well, you know, I'm going to talk about these issues only as long as they're talking about it and not taking the lead himself. Or his press strategy, where the very first day when the writ was dropped, Tom Mulcair didn't take any questions from the press. So you can't, you can't be the guy advocating for change and then adopt the same press strategy as, as Stephen Harper. That's just that's not going to fly. Absolutely. You know, it's easy to forget right now but we have seen an unbelievable campaign. We, we, we saw a dude have to drop out of the race because somebody filmed him peeing in a cup in someone's kitchen. And it wasn't a drug test. And it, <laughs> you know, we've seen multiple candidates drop out because of things that were published about them in social media. We have seen, you know, you mentioned the niqab, Supriya. We saw an election campaign that focused, especially on the part of the conservatives, so heavily on these wedge issues around race and gender and right. religion. And conservatives really tried to divide people. So let me ask you, because I've seen you talking about this a lot. Mm -hmm. Do you think that tonight's result means that Canadians rejected that politics of division? Okay, so that's a very loaded question. I will say yes and no. And I realize that's a cop-out answer. But what I will say is that I think that Stephen Harper teed it up to be, and, the, and his conservatives were like, okay, we're going to divide people on the niqab. And then ultimately, Canadians were like, what the fuck? We don't give a shit about the niqab. Yeah, we, 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 like, we may be in favor of taking it out. But in terms of priorities, it ranks quite low. It's 24 out of 25, actually, in terms of every single survey that I've seen. And it just didn't make a difference. So it, it wasn't a vote-getter. And ultimately, once you have that sort of values question, it opened the, the door for Trudeau to be like, okay, so what kind of Canada do you want? What kind of country do you want? Where do you want to go as Canadians? And that once you have that stark contrast of really old white guy trying to divide Canadians, young good-looking guy trying to unite Canadians, it's, 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 it's right there. The proof is in the pudding, you know what I mean? It's a very easy sell. Well, if the proof is in the pudding, consider that the Conservatives are the official opposition party. It looks like it's going to be projected. So I don't think necessarily that we voted for a change or that uh, the idea of wedge politics dividing us, uh, we rejected it as hard as we would like to say that we have. I'm sure the Liberals have a majority, but just consider that I didn't see Justin Trudeau actually taking pictures with anybody wearing a niqab. And I did see quite a few memes uh, like coming sure. out on Twitter and so forth. People like showing Stephen Harper in a, in a niqab saying, well, what is he hiding? The thing that I really did not like about this election is that people
people act like conservatives adopting this sort of race strategy was going to backfire on them. It, I don't think it was just the race or the wedge issues. I think it was also that we have had a terrible economy for years. We've, had, we've run multiple deficits. And also, it's just like 10 years of the same guy. It's like yeah. enough already, so right? So, I mean, actual change, actual rejection of that kind of politics will have relegated the conservatives to being the rump party. Right now, that's the NDP. And to me, Thomas Mulcair was the one who came out most forcefully and saying, well, I support somebody wearing whatever she wants during a citizenship ceremony. You know, Justin said the exact same thing, and that's why I actually think that a lot of the pundits and a lot of the, you know, armchair whatever quarterbacks that were saying Tom Mulcair really lost Quebec based on the Niqab were dead wrong. Tom Mulcair lost Quebec on an austerity budget, uh, especially considering the Couillard government, the liberal Couillard government in, in, in Quebec right now, the provincial yeah. one, lost Quebecers on, on that a long time ago. And I think appealing to that when the plurality of progressive voters were looking for modest deficits, he, you know, he got outflanked by the left, and uh, by Trudeau, and that's just what happened. At the present time, as we are talking to you in this room, 186 seats leading or elected for the Liberal Party. That is a clear majority. 105 seats leading or elected for the Conservatives. 35 seats leading or elected for the NDP. 10 leading or elected for the Bloc Québécois. Still have that one Green Party seat up there. Imogen, do you know if that's Elizabeth May or not? We're gonna find out. We have Drew on the line. We're going to get on the line somebody who's been a guest of Canada Land Commons before. He is from Newfoundland, but right now we're calling him in Edmonton, Alberta. It's our good friend, Drew Brown. I'm hoping to get him on the line right now. Drew, Drew, it's Desmond and Andre and Sapria from Canada Land Commons. How are you? I'm fucking amazing, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Drew, I want you to give us a picture of where you are right now, what your reactions are to this evening's results so far. Okay, right now I'm at the Elvin Capital Club on White Avenue. I am like seven points of Newcastle Beach. I feel excellent. Everybody here feels excellent. It's, it's a really good night. Uh, Drew, I'm looking, around, I'm looking around this room, and it seems like a lot of people in here feel excellent. Matter of fact, I would say a whole lot of people in here are lit. So, Drew, how drunk are you right now? <laughs> you know, this is like a moderate buzz. I think people inside are more fucked than I am, but, like, I'm pretty good. Yeah. Um, how are things going in Alberta right now? Uh, I mean, like... It's hard to say because, like, Edmonton clearly, I think, fucking broke both, like, Liberal and NDP. So, like, we're this weird progressive oasis inside, like, you know, three provinces of, like, conservative NPs and, like, Western Alienation 2.0. So, like, things right here are pretty great, but, like, I wouldn't go outside the city right now in the state that I'm in. So, I mean, Drew, is this a big, like, knock to the Conservatives in your home province? Are we talking about, you know, we've had an orange wave come provincially, now, you know, Liberals are making gains, is this a huge flip turn right now? Uh, I think so. Like, I think there's a definite demographic shift in Alberta itself, for sure. Like, uh, you know, like, I never would have imagined, like, if you'd asked me a year ago, would, like, the majority of Edmonton go either NDP or Liberal? Uh, and I think even in Calgary, they picked up a couple seats, so I think this is a definite sign that, that things are not what they used to be, especially in the conventional wisdom. We're going to let you get back to your party. We're going to wrap here soon ourselves, but thank you so much. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, 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 no, no problem. Sorry that I'm useless and can't fucking hear a thing. Glory. <laughs> Drew Brown from Edmonton, everybody. But so... 
We're getting very close to the end. You've been a wonderful... Guys, guys, you have been... You are a wonderful, amazing audience. We never could have expected and anticipated this kind of response when we put out the invites for this event. I want to thank you guys all so much for coming down here and spending your evening with us. Des, can I say something incredibly cliche right now? Do it, do it. Ground games matter. Yeah. And I think everybody overestimated the, the conservative ground game because that's what we like to do. We tend to pr pretend that they have this mean, you know, ground organization. I think people really underestimated the, the liberal ground game. And I think we underestimated people that were actually going to volunteer and go knock doors. I will and that's say what that, ended up happening. Uh, no, I will say um, liberal volunteers knocked on my door probably about four or five times during this election. Uh, my little sister was out with a candidate and she was out every damn day. Say what? I never had anybody knock on my door. Who are you? It's Spadina for York. That's Adam Vaughn, Olivia Child. This is battleground here. Okay, well, I'm pretty sure Adam Vaughn thought he had that one. But, yeah, uh, fair. Well, the thing is, the, the writing that I live in, Etobicoke Center, um, in the last election, that was the one that was incredibly close between Boris Rizniewski and Ted Opitz. Right. That was also the one where some people were told to go to wrong polling station. A wrong station. polling station, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it, uh, it, was, it was an incredibly important writing, and a lot of people showed up. Uh, my little sister helped a liberal candidate, a good friend of mine, Don, helped Arif Rani, and they were out like just crushing it day in, day out. So yeah, ground game really does matter. Ground game does matter, but I think that this election, from my own perspective, has been about a leader. And that leader is now the prime minister of a majority government in this country. So let's talk about Justin Trudeau before we close down this show. Yeah. We have one of the younger prime ministers that we've ever had in the history of this country. Second youngest, right? Yeah. After Joe Clark? Yeah. And he is going to have a real mandate to do a lot, if not almost everything, of what yeah. he needs to do now. The folks in the room are cheering because despite the fact that his party has lost, well, two-thirds of their seats, Tom Mulcair yeah. is leading in his race in Utremont right now. He's still going to step down. Um, Sapria says he still may step down. That's possible, but... Yeah, let's have some thoughts uh, before we go about Justin Trudeau, his leadership, his image that I think really was the thing that won this election. Sure. Well, we said before, I mean, we said several times, he's a cute dude, right? So, Sure, he's cute. He's cute, but that's not everything. Well, here's... I think lots of dudes are cute. I'm not voting them for prime minister. <laughs> you wouldn't vote for me, Sapria? Hey, you know, with that hat, I <laughs> okay, would. Okay, I'm, I'm playing, I'm playing, yeah. I'm playing, I'm playing. Uh, one thing I, I didn't like was that he seemed to embrace this whole idea of, of change, even during his leadership nomination. Sure. And then we saw, like, just issue by issue by issue, the liberals were just slowly giving ground and making compromises, which, I mean, obviously you have to compromise uh, if you do want to be the party in charge. Uh, the problem is, when you start compromising your actual principles, like things you say you stand for. So when you say, for example, that, you know, that it's, it's wrong to call our culture barbaric, and uh, that we shouldn't, you know, be uh, stigmatizing people that way. Mm -hmm. And then you go ahead and you vote for the Zero Tolerances Act. Yeah. Um, when you start talking about how important our individual rights and freedoms yep. are in the lead up, and then you go ahead and vote for Bill C-51 and then whip your party into doing so. I hate to keep coming back to this, but I really hope that I'm wrong about Justin Trudeau. Just given the amount of crap that black people in Canada have to deal with. Yep. Having to deal with carding. 
having to deal with police harassment. I mean, I've been carded, Desmond's been carded. I, you know, when I, when I drive Desmond home, I make sure that like everything on my car is correct. I double check to make sure that I've got my insurance on me. So yeah. the fact that they went ahead and recruited Bill Blair to run in Scarborough South. By the way, do we? He won, he won. Yeah, that's, uh, that's former police chief uh, Bill Blair. I have yeah. no idea how he's doing in his writing. Hope to God he loses. Yeah, he won. Oh, he won? Yeah. Well, there you go. But so, but this is the thing, though, and, and, and this is what I, I think you and I were talking a little bit about offline, or online, rather, yeah. on Twitter, is that the fact is we're representing a very homogeneous demographic right now, and I agree with everything you're saying, but the fact of the matter is, is that the guys who, who, who actually go out and support Bill Blair, they go out and they vote. Yeah. So if, 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 if people aren't going out there and, and, and not voting for their hearts or, or you know, whatever they think, then like, they're not going to be represented in the end. And, and that, that's a very sad reality of, of the way our system works. Well, one thing actually I do want to, you actually bring me to a topic that I wanted to touch on tonight. Is, is there anyone in the room, and by the way, we will not shame you for this. And if anybody out here in this room shames them for this, I'll come and fight you myself. But <laughs> did anybody in this room not vote? Oh, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Here's the thing. Um, and one of our previous guests, September Anderson, talked about voting being, and Morgan talked about this as well, voting is only one way that you can engage. So the part that really bothers me, thank you. I mean, sure, time, but I mean, unless you're volunteering on a campaign or you're, or you're mobilizing and writing an MP, then like yeah. you're not really engaging either. So if the, if the minimum you can't do is get your ass to a voting booth and vote, Right. Chances are you're also not going to be going to nomination meetings and you're also not going to be writing your MP. That's well, just the reality. There's a hell of a lot of people that I know and Desmond knows as well who just out of principle, like they look at the options on the ballot and they say, you know what, I can't choose any of these people because they don't represent my, my uh, values or my points of view. And by the way, Desmond, you were wrong last week. You cannot decline your ballot. When I you was wrong about election. that. I was wrong about that. Yeah. I'm, wrong, I'm wrong about a lot of things, but tonight's not about that. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about... The legitimacy of a government. I will say one thing before we wrap up here, and that is that last view that I saw, the Liberals had about 43% of all the votes cast, and that ain't no joke in a country this diffuse and uh, with this many different opinions in it. So this is a significant victory for the Liberal Party, and y'all know that we're going to keep talking about this week to week on our program. For now... We are going to sign off, but before we do that, I have to say a very big thank you to my man Dylan at the back on the sound. To, yes, indeed. To the most wonderful and spectacular and talented Imogen Barchard, the producer of Canada Land Commons. <laughs> to the entire Canada Land team, Jesse Brown, Jane Levinenko. Katie, I see you. Hey. We have a wonderful team here, and we are going to continue because this is just the beginning of a new chapter, and there's so much more for us all to talk about. For tonight, we want you to stick around, have some drinks. The Jays are way in front, everybody. <laughs> Enjoy the rest of your evening. For myself... Andre, Sapria, we just want to thank all of you guys again for being such a wonderful audience and coming out to join us this evening. And uh, let's have a great one. Take care.
This episode is brought to you in part by the Douglas Mattress. Now, I've said it before and I'll say it again. One of the best, and I mean the best things you can do for yourself, is to get a good quality mattress. The time is now, people. Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress protector, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That's douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.